Amen. Boy, somebody said to me sometimes, I don't know if I'm up for those, those uh, wow songs, they said. That'd probably be a wow song. But here's, I, here's how I feel about it. If it lifts up the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, somebody's going to like it. And I'm going to be certain I'm right in the middle of it. Amen. You know, the best way to stay young is hanging out with young individuals. Did you know that? That's why I'm hanging out with all of y'all tonight. Amen. We have the Southeastern uh, Gala coming up. It's uh, Friday night. And uh, what, Dembo or Denbo, some, uh, some coach that won the national championship for, I think it's Clemson. But he, he's going to be there. And somebody said, Gala, or no, we're going to have the gala. And somebody corrected him and said, Gala. I said, wait a minute. Don't try to pull new stuff on us. You know, we know what yard talk is. You try to pull the lawn talk on us, it's not going to work. He said, what do you say? I said, it's the gala. That's what God says. And, uh, sure, but just, just gal. Don't you love it when somebody just corrects you like that? Well, it's, it's, it's gala. No, it's gala. Who gives a rip? I don't. Y'all with me? I want to talk just to, well, I hope few of you are. The proper ticket is the name of the message. I want to get better. I want to be better. I want to, and I'm, I want to see what God is able to do. And I think, I really do think Sunday morning when I talk about the vision, the be best is yet to come. And I know that's a cliche, but I really do believe that. But I found that the greatest testimonies come out of crisis. The greatest testimonies come out of uh, difficulty, comes out of stress. Some of you may say, well, boy, since you use the word stress, if that produces great opportunities, I ought to have a whole truckload of those coming. I sat with Rob Tanner yesterday, and here's a statement that he said. You know, Pastor, Rob lost there, I think he was 15 or 14 or 15 years of age. He woke up Saturday morning, and his son is dead in the bedroom, and had been dead for four, five, six hours. He said, we came through that, and we were right there all along the way. But he said, when that kind of circumstance or any kind of circumstance hits you, it causes you really to be able to see more clearly. It just really causes your vision to really get clear about who you really are in Jesus. It gives you the opportunity to really get rid of the, all the palaver and really hear clear the voice of God. And I, I thought to myself that would it be possible that we could agree with that, that often in the midst of circumstance of stress or, or the circumstance of crisis, that that gives us the opportunity to really drill down and say, God, I want to know you more. Here's what I do know. It will either draw you closer or it will cause you to take a step away from God. Each of us in this room understands what stress is. If you believe that, say amen. And it can be caused by about anything. It can be job-related, relationship with your family and your friends. It could be financial. It could be conflict of your conscience. It could be physical fatigue. It could be anticipation of a coming crisis. Sometimes it could be life that gets in the way. 
And so I know that those moments of stress and those moments of crisis do happen to us. And here's what I've decided in my own life. In living where I live and doing what I do as God has called me, I've just gone ahead and given it up that stress is a normal part of life. I don't ask God to give me a stress-free life. You might say, well, I do. Well, then you pray your prayer, you know, and see how often it gets answered. The reality is I found that just saying, okay, I'm not asking for a stress-free life. What I'm asking you, Almighty God, is to teach me in every situation that creates crisis and stress in my life. And if I look at my life that way, I find that I get along better. And then here's what I do. I cannot give God any excuse as to why I don't function to the best of my ability in honoring and serving Him. Now, so here's what I found in Colossians 3.17. And whatever you do, say it with me, and whatever you do, you whether in word or deed, let's say it, whether in word or deed, let's read it. Here we go. Do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. So everything I do in my word or in my deed, I'm going to do it unto the Lord. Amen. How many of you blew that today already? May I see your hand? Yeah, my Lord of mercy. You're going to find that you will blow it. And it will. Won't do it just right. But here's the deal. We at least have a target. Amen? We have a viewpoint to say, God, I don't want to say that. Because if I'm speaking and you're speaking through me, I want to be careful. Here's what I found out. Let me give you some simple points before we get into prayer. Number one, crisis comes to reveal God in you comes to reveal God in you. Someone said not long ago, it said uh, it was actually a lady and talking about her mother. She said, my mother never said a curse word her whole life. I mean, never, I never even heard her use a slang word. She said, but she came down with, with dementia and came down uh, with Alzheimer's and said, I don't know what's got, and said she's been in church her whole life, but says she cusses like a sailor. And she said, Pastor, you know, maybe for that not to happen, when you get old, maybe you ought to just cuss a little when you're younger. I said, I don't think so. Whatever, whatever you do in word or deed. I asked someone today, have you ever thought about cussing? And they looked at me and said, I try not to. I said, have you ever thought about it? Well, I sure have. Have you ever done it? Maybe once or twice. Well, here's the deal. I can point my finger at you for your faults and your failures, your misgivings. Or I could say, God, I thank God that I get to live my life according to your word as I see it and enjoy my life and say, here it is, in my life in word and deed, I'm going to honor you in the midst of my crisis. So we have a good text for that, Numbers 20. It says, take the staff. You automatically know who we're talking about. And you and your brother, Aaron, gather the assembly together. Speak to that rock before their eyes, and it'll pour out its water. You will bring water out of the rock for the community so they and their livestock can drink. That is a whole lot of water. So Moses is in the midst of a very serious situation. I would call it a crisis. 
If God said to me, you see that rod or that umbrella you have in your hand? I want you to go over there and just hit somebody's car and water is going to come. Or hit a rock and water is going to come out of it. I, I don't mind telling you, I'd be the number one doubter on the campus if I just hit it like that. And so that's what, that's what God had told him to do the very first time. But he'd been in the wilderness now for 39 years. He's 11 months away from the promised land. Been in that wilderness 39 years. No water, hot sun, rebellion from the people. Faced some challenging problems over and over and over again. And thought the journey by now would be over. The people blamed Moses for the problems. And it was hundreds of thousands of people that Moses had to deal with. He's near Canaan, almost there ready for that promised land. And then the crisis, no water, hit them again. Moses found himself in a difficult place. Well, the question is, wouldn't you think that God would say, okay, Moses, I'm, I'm not going to put you under this stress. You know, you've been good, you're paying your tithe, you've been at church, you've been you're witnessing, you've been taking leadership roles, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep this crisis away from you. Well, then the question is, why didn't God? Why, why did it happen? Why does God ball us up like a Rubik's Cube sometimes and hands it back to us and say, now you figure out this Rubik's Cube to normal again? And I mean, you're going to turn and twist and turn and twist. And probably, unless you know what you're doing, you're going to spend quite a few hours trying to get the thing almost back together again. But if it's not totally back together, it still has a major problem. The answer could be diverse. Why did God, why does God let the pressure points, the stress, or the crisis if you're a grandchild, let me tell you what the, or, or a, a grandparent, let me tell you what the crisis is. It's having a grandchild that's not following after Jesus Christ. That's a crisis. Or you've got a child that you've raised in the way and say, walk there, and you know they're raised, and they're not serving God. You know what you're not praying necessarily? Is rapture come on. You're saying, God, please, let a little more time pass. Let me get at them just a little bit more. You know, that is that, that's a crisis. You're going through a business situation. And boy, you've borrowed up to your eyeballs. And you're saying, boy, I, I, I hope the economy stays. I, I hope we do good because I'm way out here on a limb. You're not saying, oh, God, uh, do something now. Deliver me because you're in financial challenge. And that hurts. And when you are in financial challenge, this is what I know. There are many other continuing problems that have to do with financial challenge. And not only that, crisis sometimes it causes us to be tested. It has the ability to build patience and judgment. Crisis may make God confront you in judgment and say, hey, you've been taking me for granted, but you're not going to get over this hill you're not going to be able to go under it. You're not going to go around it. You're going to have to stand up and be a man and be a woman and walk with me and let me work this through with you. No escape. No escape. No escape. It may be timing. 
that God says, I've got a great, great, great opportunity for you, but you are not ready. The timing is not right. The bottom line is, is what God allowed, what God allowed to happen and why he allowed to happen was a lesson that Moses was going to learn. And no matter what may happen to us, we must resolve this and lock it down. And it's what we all know. Our life is in God's hand, and he will take care of us. If we be, get close to him, if we let him permeate our being, if we let him get in our head, if we let him get in our heart, if we say, God, I raised them right, they're still way out there, then you have to leave that in the hands of Almighty God. Financial challenge, God, I'm not going to quit and do nothing and say, okay, God, it's your problem. No, roll your sleeves up, work twice as hard, show up early, and go home late until God walks you through and takes you to the end of that season in your life. And when you're in crisis, you are not nearly as concerned how you got there as how you're going to get out. And I've talked to people about that. You're spending too much time trying to figure out how you got there. And the answer is always the same. Well, if I don't know how I got here, I might get here again. Well, first, let's get you out. And then you can evaluate how you got there. And God is in the business of getting us out. And here's what I found out. In his journey of getting us out, he very carefully tells us why we got there. But it's played out in life itself. Well, test pilots often have a litmus tests, so I'm told, of evaluating problems. We have several pilots in the house tonight. And, um, and it's when something goes wrong, it says they're, they're trained on occasion to ask this question, is this thing still flying? You know, challenges hit, is this thing still flying? That's the question. When the Apollo 12 took off, uh, it was hit by lightning. And the entire console, as I studied, said it lit up with red and orange flashing lights. It was amazing. And... Uh, it was a temptation to do something. You've got flashing lights, orange lights, red lights. You've got to do something. But the pilots asked themselves this question as I read the story. Is this thing still flying in the right direction? And when they figured that out rather quickly, yes, it's headed to the moon. What they did then, instead of panicking, they began to take each system that had a flashing light and adjust it and make amends for it until little by little every light was back to normal. And when God creates the opportunity for stress or crisis, if we react in a negative way, ball our fist up to God, if we run away from God, if we murmur and complain to God, if we just get sideways with God and we don't want to do anything, here's what will happen. That crisis will only get worse. But if we relax and say, God, I know my son, know my daughter's not living right, and I could just, I could just create a worse crisis by going over there and say, you better get right right now. Are you going straight to hell? I'm coming here every week and tell you you're going to straight to hell, then my friend, you are making a huge mistake. But what do we do? 
we find an altar and pray and say, now, God, little by little, I'm depending on you. Cause the lights to go out as I continue to forge ahead. How wonderful is that? I've determined that crisis comes to reveal God in each and every one of us. So, God, I'm not praying for a crisis, but here's what I know. If you're breathing and you're living, stress and crisis will come your way. Thank you, Pastor. Makes me feel good. I'm not telling you anything new. I'm telling you it happens. So don't run from it. Number two, actions express spiritual maturity. How you respond in your actions of spiritual maturity. Numbers 20, verse number 11, Then Moses raised his arm and struck the rock twice with his staff. Water gushed out, and the community and their livestock drank. What Moses did was not what God told him to do. May I suggest to you that you and your behavior, either positively or negatively, influences other people. And you may never know who they are. And when you behave and react in a negative way, I was in a meeting recently, and it was a stressful meeting coming up. It was uh, in uh, another, uh, an, another board that I serve on. And, uh, and we knew that we were coming to a situation that there could be this kind of a situation. And uh, the individual kind of leading the discussion uh, uh, said to me, uh, I'm going to do better this time than I did the last time. I said, well, the last time you blew up in the middle of the meeting. You turned red, your ears lit up, you had a vein that went right down the center of your forehead, and you unleashed with a raised voice. He said, I know I did, Pastor Blackburn. And you pull me over at the end of the meeting and say, you need to pray and don't ever do that again. So, the meeting that we're in recently was another one of those opportunities for that reaction. He said, I learned my lesson. I will keep my cool. And I will not react that way. So we got to the rough part. He turned and looked at me and I winked at him. And just cool as he could be, went right on through the process and showed maturity. Do you ever lose your temper? Hello? You ever just, you ever just get angry at somebody when they fail you or do something wrong? You ever get tired of hearing somebody talk all the time? Hello? I know you're not talking about me. Here it is. Why did God require him to do that again? He did it the first time, struck the rock. But why would God say we're going to get water out of a rock again? Now, at this stage of 39 years, the first time it happened almost at the beginning of going into the desert. But God's got big plans for Moses. 
And he's trusted Moses to be that leader for 39 years. And he's led well. All the people have murmured, and he's faced all kind of stress and all kind of problem. And God says to him, hey, I want you to speak to that rock. Now, Moses, Moses had that trusted rod. You know that in Exodus 17. To him, it represented the significance and presence of Almighty God. It parted the Red Sea, brought water in Exodus 17. It brought hail and lightning in Exodus 9. He brought locusts, or he brought locusts in Exodus 10. And God said to Moses, now listen, just speak to the rock and it will give water. And then what I want you to do in that text, gather the people around. I want them to come together. I'm not bringing them together to see you blow up and explode with your temper. I'm not gathering them together to see misbehavior. I'm not gathering them together to see you just lose it. I'm gathering them together for them to understand what it means to be able to talk to me and listen to me. I want you to gather them together and speak. Word that I give you, speak to the rock. But old Moses had become dependent upon the rod instead of being obedient to God. And sometimes God looks at that and he says, hey, you're, you're leaning on your own understanding more and more. You're leaning on your security more and more. You're leaning on your own comfort. You're leaning on, you're leaning on a passive life. You're becoming a bit lukewarm. You're getting to the place that, that you're not acknowledging your first love like you did. And so here's what I want to give you the opportunity to engage. I want you to speak to the rock. And Moses did not do that. Why? He had become a war horse. He had seen it all. I've seen it all and done it all. He's now seasoned. He was the leader. He deserved to be in position. And bless God, I'm going to do what I want to do. And Moses' tenure in leadership did not make him more capable. It should have, but it only sharpened his faults and his shortcomings. So when you look yourself in the mirror and you say, God, what are those areas of my life that really are, are shortcomings, areas in my life when, I, when stress or pressure hits, when they push that button. And how many of you know there's some people in your life, they know what button to push. Anybody out there? Absolutely, buddy. They know what button to push. And you know what they do? They push it and then run. Problems often provide us with greater opportunities. Try that one on. Only greater opportunities, or it can promote spiritual maturity if I adjust to it, if I say this thing's still flying, my life is still intact. God, I'm, I'm going to look at that as spiritual maturity. God, you can, you can prove integrity in me. You can produce a sense of, of dependence on you, not on myself. On my, you see, problems prepare our hearts for ministry so we can be more we can be more courageous. He hit the rock twice, not just once, which shows the elevation of his stress. Wow, wow. 
Wow. He was within 11 months of the promised land after 40 years, and at the end, he failed the test. There's an old church hymn we used to sing. When I've gone the last mile of the way. How many remember that song? What it says, I don't want to get to the last mile of the way because I don't care who you are, how long you've been in the church. If you think you're going to reach 65 or 70 or 75 and there's not going to be a tinge of something that will create worry in you or some little stress factor or some situation that God still prods you and tests you, friend, give it up. Because God loves you enough to continue to let you hit the thorns here and there. But here's what I felt God spoke to me about. Many crises are within sight of the promised blessing. I read a report the other day that said most accidents where people are killed are within a few miles of where they live. I thought about that. Most I, within a few miles of where they live. Familiar territory. Oh, but it's that familiar territory that we're not as acutely aware of what's going on because we know, we know the area. And so that's what happened in Moses' case. God said, Moses, you will not take these people into the promised land. You will not do that. God, I don't want to miss, I don't want to miss the privilege of the promise at the end. Finally, God always honors his word. You can count on that. Amen? You can, he honors his word. That, that's, that's the secret weapon. Numbers 20, then Moses raised his arm and struck that old rock twice with his staff. Water gushed out, and the community and their livestock drank. That's a whole lot of water. What did God do? God gave them water in spite of Moses' disobedience. God gave them what they needed in spite of Moses not paying attention. God told Moses in the beginning, I will direct you. And we all have promises. We know God's word. I'll be with you, Moses. You don't have to worry, but listen, pay attention. Pay attention. Don't get lost in the, in the minutia. Don't get out there in the weeds. Just pay attention. Exodus 3.12, and God said, I'll be with you, and this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you, and when you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. God said, I am there. So in every crisis, every stress, every time you want to blow up, every time you want to get crossways, every time you want to adversely react, every time you look and say, God, this is more than I can take, every time you look out at the numerous problems that are out there, just remember this. God said, you are not there alone. I am with you. Then God, what do I need to do? Pay attention. Pay attention. How many has jumped out of an airplane on purpose with somebody else 
with a parachute. May I raise your hand? Raise it up real high. I want to see all of y'all. Out, out of a plane on purpose with a parachute. I'm counting one, one, two, three. Did I see? Is that three or four? Three or four. How many's ever wanted to do it? I see you. Don't give in to the stress of jumping out of a plane on purpose. My Lori did that. She was dating a boyfriend out in Texas. She went out there. And he said, let's go skydiving. She sent me a text. Dad, I'm about to go skydiving. I said, you have lost your mind. I said, Lori, don't do it. Give me an hour to get more life insurance on you. Wait until I text you back. Don't do it. She got hooked up. She got hooked up. She was far too close to that guy that I liked and jumped out of the plane. <laughs> She's never been the same since. <laughs> never. What I'm trying to suggest to you is when you jump out of a plane like that, you have trusted your well-being to whoever encouraged you to go and whoever that person is that you're strapped to. And the minute you jump out of that plane, you are depending on that person to be able to guide you to the ground softly. God says, hey, there are times I'm going to push you out of the plane. And when I do what I need you to do, is remember, if I do that, I will be with you. It will have supernatural purpose. All he had to do was speak the word. Verse 12 said, you failed to sanctify my name before the people. That's what he wanted to do. I want, I want them to hear you, Moses. Speak to the rock. All you have to do is speak to the rock. And Moses failed, and yet God still allowed the water to come out. He failed the test of obedience. So the question is this. Which test that comes your way that you fail is going to be the one that alters your life for many years to come? Which test are you going to fail that doesn't seem like it's much. But it's the test that God says to you, I had big plans for your future. All the people that you were leading, they're going to go in. But you can't go. Now think with me for a moment. What if Moses had passed that test? You see, obedience is the ticket to getting through the crisis. What if you had, what if he had passed the test? The story would have been completely different. And God did not predestinate Moses to fail. Don't even go there. Moses on his own missed the value 
because of his tenure. He'd been leading, tired and weary. And this really doesn't matter. Slam, there you go. Got water last time. Every situation you face and every day brings to you, to me, to all of us, privileges and opportunities and some of the great advancements God wants to make in us can only come as a result of God once again giving us a privilege to face a crisis. And then if you're in a crisis or something that don't give up. Don't give up. Hang in there. Be tough. Figure a way out to not let the enemy get in and bother you. Amen? Would you stand? Heavenly Father, we thank you. Tonight, we praise you. We know what the proper ticket is to enjoy the love of God and to be able to move forward. It's often the crisis or the stress. And we just commit to you and we thank you. So whether we're standing, and those of you that are online, I pray that you are ready to pray with us in case there are those online and those of you that are in the room right now, we need to just clean things up a little bit and maybe have another faith commitment to God. But would you repeat this prayer with me right now? All of you, just repeat it. Dear Heavenly Father, I am sorry. I have sinned. I need you. I need a new beginning. I need your love. I need to hear your voice in my life once again. So here I am, humbling before you and believing that you will touch me. Thank you for restoring me. Thank you for redeeming me. Now, Lord Jesus, whatever you choose, I am ready to honor you in my life. Amen. Amen. How many know God answered prayer? What I need you to do, I need you to pray. I have three needs right now that I, I can't mention the situations to you. But in those needs and for families here in the church, they got to have a miracle. And I, it's our responsibility to pray for one another. Do you agree with that? Sam Swan, Teresa's husband, she had to leave staff meeting yesterday to go because he was regurgitating and blood, take him to the emergency room. We thought, boy, he's getting stronger. Listen, and I looked at her and looked at her face. I said, God, we're going to pray. We're going to believe you for a miracle so you can pray for him. And trust God. We can pray for Sunday. We talk about vision. We have a lot of people who need the love of Jesus Christ. And there are many needs. Many of you know and you have personal needs. You have a family member that's just off the track. Well, take time. And so we're going to worship. And however you want to pray... It's what we're going to do. We're going to end this way. I'm not give a benediction. I'm just going to ask you to find a place to pray, be reseated, come into the altar. If you need prayer,
If you need prayer and you want to stand in for someone, the Holy Spirit just spoke that to me. You want to stand in for someone, come down. Let us anoint you in their behalf. And when you feel, okay, I've prayed, and whether that's three minutes or five minutes, you're just welcome to slip out. We're going to worship a little while. But here's what I know. We can move heaven, and we can do it right now. Amen? So God bless you. Thank you for being here. Let's get into a prayer moment, shall we?
of this place come to love this place and fill the air it's your glory god your glory god is what our hearts long to be overcome to be overcome by your let's declare that again holy spirit you're welcome we sing Of the sweetest of loves, when 
my heart becomes free and my shame is undone. It's right here tonight in your presence. Your presence, Lord. Cause Holy Spirit, cause Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. Let your glory take a moment just in your own way tonight come on offer up worship to him oh, it's all about you Jesus oh we're here tonight because we need more of you God less of us tonight Jesus
this room to Jesus. God, we love you tonight. God, we don't take your presence for granted. We thank you that you're here and that you're with us. God, every need that we've brought to you tonight, you see it, you know it. And so God, with hands raised tonight, we lift up every need that we've brought to you, things that we've spoken and things that we haven't, and we declare that you are going before us tonight, that you're a good, good father who sees every need before we even mention it. We thank you for your name that's above every name tonight, the peace that surpasses all understanding. God, I lift up every person that's here tonight that's walking through something, God, that they don't understand. I pray that they would recognize your presence right in the midst of their situation, to know that we serve an awesome God who's for us, who's not against us, and we love you tonight. God, we thank you as even we walk out of these doors tonight and enter into our Thursday that you go before us. And we honor you. We love you. Bring us back safely here this weekend to lift up the name of Jesus. In Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, come on, if you love the Lord tonight, can you put your hands together for Jesus? Hey, we're going to officially dismiss, but these altars are still open if you need to pray. God bless you guys. Thanks for staying. We hope to see you this weekend on both campuses. God bless you.